Okay. This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean and Andy Hallowell. Hello Andy, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright. Um, I would have been better had you uh, granted us a day off today, as I politely requested when the game was called off yesterday. Nope. But no, you've nope. been spending far too much time with Dave Bradley. I agree on that. Yep. Bonafide Tory. Yeah, but listen, the wheels of industry keep turning seven days a week around here. You know, and uh, Monday mornings is when the podcast comes out, game or no game. And as you've already said this morning, Andy, there is plenty of stuff to talk about. Plenty of stuff to talk about. We don't strike here. (laughs) Uh, There's no union. There's no podcasters union that I'm aware of, Andy. And if there is, you know, you'll have to go and find them and take it up with your rep. Uh, You're right. I I sound like Dave Bradley. Oh, my God. I need to review my life choices. Let's move on to the fan guest. Let's change the tone. Give us the give us the lowdown. Well, coming back for his second appearance, I think he was on uh, last season. But I'll give him his um, his three question intro. First ever game was Watford away in 1991. That dates him a bit. Uh, his favourite player was Rick Holden. Um, his uh, his. Most memorable Latics memory. This is a bit odd. Didn't expect this one, if I'm honest. It was a 2-1 win at Swindon under Brian Tolbert. I can think of better ones than that. <laughs> um, the season after administration, 90 minutes of, uh, of singing away in the blues. And, and it was a game that, that basically helped us survive, um, as well as survive in administration. And a surprising fact about himself, he was Latics mascot away at Charlton in 1991 which was a game that saw Andy Ritchie get injured and miss the rest of the season. Paul War has got sent off and Joe Royal threw a bucket of water over a photographer. So he wasn't a lucky mascot for many people. Oh. Uh, the guest is Joe Payne. Morning, Joe. Hello. How are you doing? All right, Joe. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Did you not go to that game, Andy, at Swindon? It was a no, classic. Were you down south then? Uh, yeah, it would have been, but I didn't yeah. go to that game, no. I, I've oh, been right. to Swindon about six or seven times, but uh, not on that particular day. Yeah, it was just brilliant. Sort of, You know, it was the game where we'd sort of done it. We'd sort of survived, you know, administration, survived in the league. There was 90 minutes of and the Blues. So we were coming out the ground and all the Swindon fans were saying, I think they called us, you no- noisy northern bastards. That's <laughs> <laughs> a compliment, just, that is. Yeah, it was uh, Paul Murray and Jermaine Johnson, I think, got the goals. So, yeah, it was a memorable game for those that were there. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I mean, they don't all have to be the, um, you know, the big the big games. guns, do they? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you said, there's a lot of lot of things came together on that day and made it made it special. So, um, yeah, there was no game yesterday. South End fans had set off. <laughs> Oops. Um, sounded a bit. I mean, the, the only games that were on in the National League yesterday were where they had artificial pitches, weren't they? Uh, Maidstone and Bromley, um, and the rest were the rest were called off. It sounded like they were saying in in, in the uh, feedback from the from the club that that the pitch had been okay up until the night before, um, and so presumably they'd not put the new covers down on the pitch the night before the game. Um, Assuming that it wasn't going to get as low as it did in temperature, and then the game got called off. Oh no, no, I've seen, I've seen pictures. The the the, the things, the um, the covers were down. Oh, they were down. Oh, there's nothing more. Well, from the pictures, unless the pictures I saw, I assume were taken from the morning. I think they were. The covers uh, were down. I mean, it's. <laughs> I saw some right moaning about it, you know, after it had been called off. But what can they do? It oh yeah, minus exactly. it had been below freezing temperatures uh, during the evening for a series of nights before. And, you know, like you said, any grass pitches, really, from all over the country. Southern games are called off. It's still freezing down here this morning. So, you know, I think they left it as late as they could within reason. And, you know, even South End had set off. I just, just like, you know, stop moaning about everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> how's it work? It protects to what? Minus 15. Is that right? It, yeah. Well, it covers. 
Yeah, they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, these ones are supposed to. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not having it. If you get, if you, if you get ground frost, if you get, if you get condensate water underneath, it's going to freeze the, it's going to freeze the surface. The only way you, you stop it is to put all those great big air tents up, isn't it? You know, but what's Does that? Yeah. Anyway, the game was off anyway, so it's you know I'm sure the thing is is that you know the clubs. Mantra is to win football matches. Anything is to, to try and win football matches. I'm sure they tried to do everything they could to get the game on to play it because it's starting to look like a bit of a backlog now, isn't it? As as the season gets towards the end, the amount of games that are called off, it's uh, the usual, isn't it? I suppose we get we're getting actually um, very close to running out of Tuesdays. If you look, um, mm. we're going to be playing nearly every Sat uh, Saturday, Tuesday from now to the end of the season. There's probably only about three or four. We've got quite we've got a few games yet to arrange. It's probably on about four four midweeks left, so it's going to be chocker, yeah. Yeah, hopefully down, Tuesday down south as well. Well, you've got Weldston, Barnet. There's going to be a few down south, isn't there? So they're kind yeah. of long trips as well. Not ideal. Well, that's going to be that's going to be me going out on a Tuesday night fairly often, then, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, hopefully York will be on on Tuesday anyway. So. Because uh, it gives us what to talk about on the on the phone in uh, at least <laughs> if the game's on. But yeah, we could do without that being off because that again's another Tuesday night then that we need to fill. Um, but yeah, I mean it's disappointing so far as they always say the best way to um, make up for a bad performance is to get back out there and and make up for it on the pitch. And obviously the Gateshead game was a uh, was a bit diabolical and um, we didn't have that opportunity. So now we'll have to wait again. I think we were all frustrated because we we were hoping that that was it was an opportunity to see was the Gateshead game a blip, and what's this new signing like? The uh, Shelton was he going to step in and make a difference? So we've all had well, to yeah, wait. I mean, if if you look at our last six league games, and you know if you take that as form, I think we're mid table in the last six games. So you know, uh, Gateshead was bitterly disappointing um, result because we could have done with having a bit of a run and keeping the momentum going but but you know, if you look at the last four percent for fast four and they like two of them were diabolical performances um one was a like a i'd say a fairly fortunate draw and one was against a really poor docking team so you know there's there's a long way to go isn't there before it's kind of like yeah there's some kind of consistency in performance i think form is stretching it a little bit i think like i was at that Notts county game and there was quite a lot of people saying it was an improved performance. I think it was to an extent. There was a lot more effort there. But blowing L, we were lucky to get those two goals. Yeah. Sort of absolutely like we won't get gifted goals like that for another 10 years. The goal I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing for the first well, one. Well, we got we, we got we got at least three the week after a dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Listen, so, listen. so that's what's done. Uh, forget forget that for a minute. If if this is all about results, all I'm all I'm saying is. Yeah. In the last six games, where we would, you know, on form, uh, league games only, we'd be in the middle of the pack. So if we can try and keep that going, then you know, with the games in hand we've got and the teams we've got to play, then here is a, a perfect opportunity to start to pull away from the bottom four and and then start planning for next season. I th the issue I have with it is just sort of yeah, the results have been, you know, the Notts County result okay was good and the Dorking result was good. But I'm not sure the performances were sort of that much better. So, why the you know the results might sort of go along a little bit, but I think we're only a little slip away from just going back to sort of the results being bad again. Do you know what I mean? That that's a sort of uh, I think we need to sort of learn how to play and how to form. And this this sort of new midfield that might be the answer. And if we get a new right back in, there seems to be a lot of talk of a new right back and a new midfielder being the answer to all our problems. I, I mean, it might be, but I would be quite amazed if if that was the case. To be honest, well, the, the um, what's he called? The new lad, Mark uh, Shelton. No, Mark the other one, the one who played right back, he came from the new. Oh yeah, league. Uh, uh, Joseph yeah. Yarny. Yarny, that's the fella. He looks like he might be all right, and he came in um, at right back, maybe. Uh, against Gateshead, so we'll have to see. He's only played that one game. He came, I think he came on briefly against Dorking, but um, 
I mean, we've been desperate for a central midfielder. We've been desperate for this type of central midfielder, from what it sounds like from from the you know from Hartlepool and and that they they seem to rate him, don't they? Um, they didn't miss him yesterday. They went and beat I think they beat Rochdale three 0 or something like that, and moved out of the out of the bottom two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks like another another. I'm going to say another good signing, but there have been a few signings that we've kind of all raised our eyebrows at, haven't there? You know, I mean, particularly John Rooney stands out as as one who's definitely not worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, he seems like a decent signing. Um, we are lacking. We're still not balanced, are we, Joe? We've still not got that balance in the in the. Squ- we've got a lot of players, but yeah. um, they're not. They're not well balanced. I mean, there has been a great example of how poor our recruitment has been in the past this week, hasn't there? When um, Dylan, Farge. Uh, Dylan Farge was signed for, by North End. Yeah, and that's Glossop North End, by the way, people, not Preston North End. A big, the big, big talent that was Dylan Fage or is Dylan Fage is now at Glossop North End. And, you know, these are the kind of players that we've had coming through the squad. We've never had a balance. We've never had like a sort of set way of playing. It's just been throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks basically so I think we're still suffering from that Joe I think yeah I think I mean my issue sort of there just seems to be no link up between defence midfield and attack I was thinking about this yesterday so basically when Sheridan was in charge at the start of the season he was playing one up front as well and it was fond up up front on his own and it was, I remember Aldershot at home which we actually ended up winning thinking he's just got no support. It, there's nobody around him thinking, right, the new manager will come in, he'll do it differently, and he'll make us better. And he's just done exactly the same thing that we've done, So that Sheridan did. So basically, the Notts County game, for example, again, it was sort of one up front, the midfield, we just got passed around. I think we from the stats at Dorking, it was the same as well. You know, Dorking passed us all around. And, you know, as Mark said the other week, we were, we were just clinical in front of goal. But considering we had so many players back, Notts County didn't have, have so much space. So what were they all doing? It's just kind of, they just were allowed to knock it around, sort of. I concede that, that Unsworth has, has not, he's been a disappointment. I'm disappointed in Unsworth. I expected more from him by now. Um, I expected him to, uh, you, you know, again, we touched upon Mark White and we might come back to that in a minute from the phone in the week. Um, you, Mark White said you're looking for incremental improvements, and I don't. I think we've seen an odd. I think I've seen an odd incremental improvement, and then we go two steps backwards immediately afterwards, and it, and, and it isn't consistent enough. And so he has been disappointing today, Bunsworth. I, I can't I can't review it in any other way. But I can't. I also don't know how much that is to do with the personnel that's available to him. So you, you're trying to draw parallels with, with John Sheridan at the start of the season. Is it is he playing? Mark White talked about us playing quite direct football uh, and it being quite easy to predict um and and he and he liked playing against that against that formation i, I don't think Unsworth wants to play 442 he didn't for weeks and weeks and weeks play it at all he was trying different systems and none of them were working and he's basically just gone to this you know a, a flat back four four in the middle and then hitting it long and part part of the hitting it long issue is to miss out the midfield because we haven't got a midfield that can pass it around and then comparing us to Notts County is just a nonsense for me because their three midfielders are brilliant. There's, there's a journalist on Twitter, I think he's a journalist, called John McKenzie, right? He hasn't got a, a verified account, but he, he lists in his bio, writer and presenter for, for TFO Football and for The Athletic. And he's done a little bit of a, um, like a critique of Notts County's shape in the game against us. We'll, we'll retweet it from, from the podcast um, account after this episode's published and people can read it. It's brilliant. He, he basically just critiques how they set up and it shows the shape and the, and the passing formations, really, of Notts County. But it also you can see ours at the same time and you see that we're sitting deep and, and when we are pressing, there's just massive gaps to pass between mm. us. And, and that sort of, that intricate movement and the and the movement of the midfield four getting into this box shape where they can pass around us is really quite for a fifth division football team. He's actually quite progressive. And and Mark White touched upon it. We talking about uh, technical systems and and why four four two is easy to play against. And I I just don't think we have the personnel for Unsworth 
to create anything more um, intricate. Or I'd, I make an assumption, and it can only be assumption because I have no first-hand evidence of it. I make an assumption that, that the Royals particularly know that David Unsworth is technically a good coach. Otherwise, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have sought him out and recruited him. And they're putting all this stuff in the background so that a good, technical, advanced, modern-day coach will get the best out of the assets in the future. But it might take a couple of sort of typical transfer windows to get a, a team of, of players together where we can start to play some more progressive stuff. Then one would hope that we don't, don't play this awful defensive sitting back, low press, uh, you know, like, you know, low engaging um, format. And, and, and we start to pick up or we start to look better and, and pick up some results. I mean, there's a there's a couple of different things there, isn't there? I mean, the Notts County game that away that that, that um, it was the away game, wasn't it? At Meadow Lane that that he analysed, and and like that was the game we played five at the back, three in midfield, and two up top. And you know there was you know part of you know it wasn't working. And what you need to do in game is is maybe change your, your system. You know he, he demonstrates how their centre half they they stretch the play basically making our two pressing. Uh, forwards ineffective um, and 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 just passed it around us. You know, we. It feels to me like we've gone backwards on the ball. I feel like we were bit, a bit better, not brilliant, but a bit better on the ball earlier on in the season than we are now. Maybe that's to do with the the four four two formation. The other mm. thing I would like to say, which is relating back to Mark White's um, interview on the phone, and what one of the things that he said when he was asked about why walking a third and we are where we are. And the difference being the manager, being the experienced manager at this level. And I'm, it's not for me to say whether the, the appointment of David Unsworth was the right one uh, at this point, because I think time will tell. Like you said, Andy, if he's, if he's got the, if he's got the, the, the skill to, to, to mould a team and develop a squad and do all these things going forward over the next few years, then we'll find out if that is, you know, was a, was a good appointment. The, the, the alternative argument to, to appointing someone like Unsworth now is that he doesn't have the experience of this division and that maybe we would have been better off for a consolidation period of, say, two to three seasons of bringing somebody in with the experiences of managing at this level to, to secure us and to sort of to, 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 to take us. That's the alternative, isn't it? I mean, it, who's right, who's wrong, we don't know because only time will tell. No, 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 we don't. But we, we, we interviewed we, we, we interviewed Darren Royal in, in that two-part interview in November, and I asked him specifically because people had asked me to ask him, why didn't we go with, with a manager that had experience of National League? And his answer was... We wanted to recruit to some, somebody who would buy into the whole structure um, and sort of ethos that they were trying to set down as foundations for the club. Now he may have gone after a Woking manager, and the Woking manager didn't wouldn't have buy wouldn't have bought into it. Didn't want that. Wanted a different different way of looking at it. Maybe the um, maybe recruiting somebody uh, of that ilk would have said, "I don't want a B team. Get rid of that. I'd rather the money for the first team. I'm not bothered about an academy. I'm not bothered about uh, an, an analyst division. I want this. I want that." He might have not bought into that, but the, the but board... that again is hypothetical, though, right? because there wasn't an interview process, was there? They they, they wanted David Unsworth. That was clearly was the um, so that's the counter argument to that. Do we know that anyone with experience at this level wouldn't have bought into that as well? You know. Well, but it, it, uh, the, the whole the whole interview thing is, is just like a massive red herring to me. Uh, if I if if I'm going to recruit somebody to come and work for me in media and advertising in London, then I can put an ad out and I can get CVs in. But if I know somebody who I know has got all the credentials and the skill sets for that role, I will go and headhunt them directly and won't put it up for 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 um what advertising. Well, why why can't you do both? Why can't you sort of have the idea of the kind of manager you want? but then do a recruitment process to see what's available. So that's how Corny found Lee Johnson, was because he did the interviews and got people It's also in. how he found Darren Kelly. <laughs> so, listen, all I'm saying is you could do both. You could do both, but then you've got to interview them. Then you got to go through sort of a, a due process. And maybe they didn't have, maybe they didn't have the time. Maybe they wanted to get on with it and move. But if if I go and head headhunt somebody and don't advertise for the role, then I'm picking them because I know I already know about their character, their work ethic, 
their their intellect. I know my my personal working relationship with them is going to be good on certain level. So therefore, I recruit them, and I, I'm expediating maybe uh, six months of getting to know somebody who's brand new who have never worked with before. I'm I'm hitting the ground running because I already know how they're going to work, and, and and they know me. So I've got absolutely no problem on a personal level with no interview process uh, for David Unsworth. Um, what, what I am disappointed in is we haven't seen those incremental improvements yet. Now, I don't think the board are stupid. They're not. <laughs> We've spoken to, to most of them um, um, uh, in, in one um, form or another, um, and we know that they're committed, they care, they're intelligent, they're successful individuals. Okay, some of them have not been involved in football before. Uh, one or two of them have. But you've got to give them time to make, make that decision. It's their choice to recruit him and it's it will be their decision to remove him if it gets to the point where they think it's gone too far but i still don't think we'll go down i've, I've never said anything other than we'll be mid-table to the lower, lower half this season and i still think the same i think we'll pick up enough points between now and the end of the season and i'm not even sure recruitment's finished you know we'll pick probably pick another player or two up if necessary they come available on loan potentially towards the end of january then i think i think we'll be fine but th- i mean <sighs> Yeah, first of all, there's no issue for me against the board. Sort of, it's you know you've got to separate the two things. So sort of like off the pitch, I think they're doing absolutely fantastically, brilliant, nothing wrong at all. But I think they have made a mistake with Unsworth, and I can understand why they're sort of sticking with him, because you know he is a friend. They've invested in him, so they want to give him as long as possible um, to sort of you know do the best job he can. But, you know, it's three wins in 20. And there aren't those improvements that Mark White was going on about. There's been nothing to suggest that he's up to it so far. Nothing at all? I don't think so, no. Do you? <laughs> Do you think there's there's been anything that he's done better than Sheridan, for example? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard to, it's hard to think, think of huge positives. On the face of it, because I know that I know that if we were talking to to Darren, he'd be giving us statistics about the stuff that they were doing, and you know, the training and the ground covered and all this kind of stuff, and you know, stuff that we don't have access to, so we can't see it. I think you you tend to rate improvement on consistency, don't you? I think that is where it comes in. You start to see consistency in performances, and I still think there's not a consistency in the shape. Um, there's not consistency in, I don't know, maybe, no, I don't, I, it's hard. It's hard to find like consistent positives, I think. And I think but, it's also, it's sorry, it's just, it's also, I think we're giving him a free ride by saying the infrastructure is building and all that sort of stuff, because a lot of the infrastructure behind the scenes, it's happened like that. He's been backed. He's been allowed to play about with the changing rooms and the canteen and all that sort of stuff. He's got little Wembley back. He's got more backing than any manager we've we've had for ages. So I think there should certainly be incremental improvement on the pitch, if not a little bit more. Well, possibly, I understand the argument, and it's very difficult to say that, that we've seen much. I think recruit. I think recruitment on balance looks like it's it's better now. You know, signing players. You know, you go to that game at Notts County a moment ago. Part of our midfield three was was Danny Gardner, who's just been absolutely disgusting every time I've seen him this season. You know, um, Porter and stuff like that. You know, we we were signing players with a structural integrity of a mini cheddar for most of the <laughs> most of the, the summer. The players that we appear to be signing now appear to be fitter, younger. We're putting them on longer contracts. Um, you know, so. And it's I'm still rubbish. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I, I think Nuttall will be a good sign. He looks like a player to me. Um, you know, and and ho- hopefully one or two of us will, will, will come good as well. You know, Kitchen's a good signing. Um, you know, Tollett is a good signing from, from the summer and he's been put on a longer contract. So we are trying to build, build for the future. David Unsworth is he's under pressure to start getting some results and for us to see some better performances soon, for sure. Um you know, I, one of the things I've noted in the, you know, we've made, we've extended a lot of loans in the last month, haven't we? So Chapman to the end of the season, Abraham, Peter Clark, Peck, all extended um, loans. I mean, Chapman, 
in that first game that I saw him at Maidstone, he, he was brilliant on the left-hand side of midfield. But he's been anonymous for most of it since, hasn't he? You just he's, this is this is the thing, right? So Chapman was part of Cheltenham's team that won League Two. Played a load of games for Cheltenham. Played quite quite, quite a few games for Cheltenham in League One as well. So there's got to be a player in there somewhere. You wouldn't you wouldn't have played that many league games if there wasn't a player in there. Um, you know, like you said, Hartlepool seemed disappointed. The fans at least seemed disappointed that Shelton's gone. Obviously, Keith Curl sees it differently, but Keith Curl sees quite a lot of things differently from memory. So hopefully, he'll be uh, he'll have some pedigree. I just think that maybe when once they get going, some of these players that are looking a bit pedestrian and lost at the minute might actually start to click, and you'll we'll see something from them because. I can't believe that you know Chapman. I can't believe a player that, that played so many games to Cheltenham in League Two can't can't look good in the National League. Yeah, and a highly rated youngster from Sheffield United as well, who obviously play at a much higher level than we do. I mean, I think that, that you know people were people. We well, I'll talk about a bit more about this later. But people will criticise everything, and people will jump in with a an answer like they know that, that like they know better when they, you know they really don't. But like. You know the the alternative to to um, extending the loans is to get rid of the players, send them back to their parent clubs, and bring in other loan players. And all you you know, you've, you've you've there has to be some kind of consistency through the season. There has to be the players have got to learn how to play with each other. You know, he has to build with what he's got. He has to say focus and say right. If I've got these players, I'm going to bring other players in. So. I think that that sending them back and bringing other players, it's either going to work or it isn't going to work. We had this all before in the last few seasons where we had players coming in, players leaving loans, and, and it just doesn't work. So I, I'm quite happy to to have some consistency in the squad. Me, me, me too. The, the alternative here's another alternative, and you see it on social media all the time. Chris Misselu gets binned off by Hartley, <laughs> right? And and what I'm the other week, yeah. and I have, I have this debate with people in WhatsApp groups all the time. What is the fascination with Usman Fain? Well, Just, some people yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. rubbish. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, he's a walking yellow, walking red. He could get in the way rather than tackle and pass the ball two yards. That's it. I don't get that either. Yeah, so, not a clue. So I'm, I'm, I'm also sick of this fascination. This almost like it's like a. It's like self-harm from the fan base. Yeah, let's get back these players that have been rubbish for us before. Let's get them back again to be rubbish again. No, I don't want I don't want players like that anymore. I do want us to start trying to recruit players using using the the, the, the analyst department, using the the, the coaching department um, and the scouting department to collectively come to a decision about who to recruit. I think you know whilst whilst um, everyone you know. While she could attack David Unsworth for, with with some credence, I, the other thing that I think's got to settle is all of these new departments working harmoniously harmoniously together. I, I said it last week. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of friction between them while they sort of work out how, how to bed in together. Because you know, I don't know who signed John Rooney, um, but he's been a, he's been a, a mistake. It looks like um, and. Who sanctioned the the, the Reed signing because he's he's not being played certainly in the right formation or the, the right position. Um, so I think there's a there's a bit of work to be done there. So you know you, you can you can saddle Unsworth with all the blame, but I suspect that until things settle down a bit, um, you know that everyone's got to take some responsibility for the position we're in. But listen, I, I just I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be fine. This wind forward a year. <laughs> I think we'll be having totally different conversations. I think we'll stay up as we should do because we've chucked a lot of money at it. But personally, I, I don't know. I just think we should be doing better. I think, as you say, recruitment's improved. We've spent money on that all. Uh, Unsworth's been allowed to bring in lots of players now. And I think, like, football's, you know, it's simple. It's easy. It, it, not easy. Sorry, that's the wrong word. Cancel that. It's, you know, it's straightforward what Unsworth has to do. And, He's been given the tools to do it. So there should be some improvement, like next week, <laughs> if, this not is, months, look, if not this, months ago. This is the yeah. thing, though. Like, this is, I'm, I'm going to play something in a minute because I've been thinking about this kind of stuff. But like, there is a lot of should, would, could, right, going on. Based on what? Right, based on like our club, like, we, we, we spoke to Mark White in the week and he told, I, Dave asked him about the culture of the club and he said it was enjoyable. He said that it was competitive 
and there was loyalty. Those were the three things that made him successful, right? So you've got a load of clubs in the National League that clubs that are on the up, clubs that are well-established and settled at that level, uh, and clubs that, that have, you know, had a lot of money thrown at them, a lot of money thrown at them, even more than us, over a consistent, you know, a longer period of time. So they're far more advanced than we are. So we, we are coming at this point from the point of view of being a club in disarray. Look at Scunthorpe. Right, we are lucky that we are not Scunthorpe. We really are, right? So, I think that's the thing. We, 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 we it takes time to turn a club that is has been in such poor health to turn it around. And to say that you know, if football, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of players. There's a, we don't know what it must be hard to 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 manage that many players. You know, who want to play. Um, you know, but. To, to, to pick a team, to, to keep all those squad members happy, to, to get to know all these characters. So there's a lot of things that need to be done. To say that it should just be turned around within, you know, a few games, I yeah. think is naive, to be honest with you. And that's not to say somebody might not be able to do it, but I think for like nine times out of ten, it's, it's going to pan out the way it's panning out. But it happens, though, like the new manager bounce. Like that, but it's happens. not just a build, yeah. That happens, yeah. But but that's not a, a new man. It's it's not only a new manager that's the problem at this football club, is it? That's not been the only issue. It's not like everything's great, but the manager keeps is is the problem. So you change the manager and everything, you know. Like you might get a new manager bounce at Chelsea, like or a, a, a you know if a big club that's successful that's got good player when it seems to be the manager that's the issue. Our but, club, it's not been the manager that's been the issue, is it? It's been a f massive list of other things. Yeah, in the past, but now we've got sort of like the good people on board and sort of everything seems... So, as I say, it's separating the two things. I don't think anyone's got any complaints with anything that's going on off the pitch. The owners and the reasons they make the decisions and all that sort of stuff. But there is one sort of like fairly crucial position that is possibly letting the whole thing down. At the moment. Is it letting it down though, or, or are we in the situation that we should be in, based on how difficult everything is? Andy, go on, you're losing your mind. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's, so that so that's it's coming back to the parts making before. Oh, talk about Mike Fondop's contract extension, right? Are you pro? Are you for or against that contract extension? Me for. Matt. Yeah. yeah, I think. I, yeah, I think. I mean. Yeah, why not? I think I like Fondop. I think he's got a lot of good characteristics. I don't think he's the best uh, striker we could possibly have, but I think you know it's only for it's only until the end of next season, isn't it? So, it, it, you, yeah, you say that though, but that might block the recruitment of a better player next season. So, here's my personal view: is is that I said it the other week, even even after his hat trick at, at Dorking, I'm not Fondop's biggest fan personally. I, I think he is a limited footballer. Um, I think Nuttall is an upgrade on him. Oh, in, in he, he's, he's going to play in a similar similar type of role. So personally, I, I'd I'd rather see us trying to recruit better players than than Mike Fondop for next season. But now we've got Mike Fondop next season. So, but the, I think this is symptomatic of what's going on at the club. Is um, to be fair to Mike Fondop, he scored five in eight before um, Unsworth arrived. Un I think Unsworth looked at the situation and went, ah, "Don't fancy him. Got rid of him." He's brought him back in and he scored a lot of goals and all of a sudden he's got a contract extension. Like I think that there's a bit of there's a bit of muddled thinking going on across the departments. So you know I can't imagine that he would have been given a contract without the manager's approval. Can I, I mean I'm not, surely... I'm, I'm not no 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 I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that and, and I'm not saying that that um that Reed was recruited recruited from Solihull without David Unsworth sort of approving it, but there is different departments making decisions. We were told that by Darren. The, the stats department are identifying players on, on the sort of a money ball statistical uh, system. Then we're sending out scouts to go and scout players. Then, then the coaching staff are being asked. But there is different different people at play here. I, I, I don't know where what's who was the person that said, let's tie Mike Fondop down to another season. I'm not, I'm not sure David Unsworth was the person that said he's definitely the player I want. So I think that there's... There's things that need to possibly settle down. I'm speculating, entirely speculation. I have no idea. I'm, look, so, I'm I'm all for us going into next season with some consistency in terms of the playing staff. Play players that have that have played this season going into next season, players that know each other, players that might fund up, might be an absolute star in the camp, might be a great character to have around, might be a lot more benefits to 
to have him might fond up around than, than than what we see on the pitch. And a happy Mike fond up in a good team might might bag us 15 goals next season. We don't know, right? So like I'm I'm prepared to trust the judgment of 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 people, right? And 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 think that incrementally we will start to see a difference, particularly next season. But rem- remember Mike Fondop in that first friendly game. Where was it? Where was it? It was it was it near Preston? Did you go to it as well? Uh, yeah, Am- it was Amber uh, Bridge. Was Bridge. That was Amber Bridge. Yeah. That's it. How big was Mike Fondop in that for that preseason friendly game? Yeah, he was about he, two and a half stone overweight. Right? He'd had a he'd had a long injury um, outlay, hadn't he? He'd been out injured the previous season, hadn't he, for quite a long time? I think in his defence. Right, I, that, that 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 sort of stuff cannot be. But even even then, Mark White said in the week today, you you shouldn't need to be keeping professional or even semi-professional footballers fit. They should yeah. be managing themselves effectively. So that that sort of stuff is, cannot happen. We've got to be much more professional. So you know, I, I I want players chomping at the bit, not turning up for the new season two and a half stone overweight. <laughs> Well, we have to we have to expect that now that everything is in you know there is a better standard throughout the football club um, that that is that is going to be the case, isn't it? Um, I just I'm, and I think that we're I think that there's a there's a hyper focus on Oldham Athletic from a lot of us. We've 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 had to focus very very hard on this football club over the last couple of years because we've had to unpack what was wrong with it. And we've had to try and find some solutions, and we've had to try and, you know, instigate change. And 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 a lot. There's been a lot of that. And and we've kind of. We're, I think we're in a mindset of being hyper focused on the football club. Where now, whereas in the past, the, the focus of a lot of us was was on what's going on off the pitch. That has now turned to what's going on on the pitch. And yeah, I think we've maybe got to just sort of like move away from the from the microscope a little bit now and sort of just let it pan out. Um, but listen, I think it's time just to have a little bit of a chill and to just kind of think about some of these things in, in another way. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 23, wear an extra pair of socks at Boundary Park. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, wearing an extra pair of socks at Boundary Park would be it. The benefits of wearing an extra pair of socks at Boundary Park over 90 minutes have been proven by scientists. Whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own Miranda experience. I will dispense this advice now. Forget the pinch me days. They were great, but they're history. Focus on the here and now. Live in this moment and make the most of every opportunity. Create new occasions and memories for the future and believe that they can be better than those consigned to history. Eat more pies. Let's think differently from top to bottom, aligning the vision of club and supporters. It's the only way to build a secure and harmonious future. Participate. Learn from years of leaving it to others and do what you can to help. You have value. You have something to offer. Believe in yourself. If you don't, no one else will. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Stop saying should have, could have, would have. If you're not in that position yourself or you don't have the relevant experience. Think about what you say and the impact of what you're saying. Name calling based on appearances, etc. is hurtful and also makes you look like an idiot. You get what you give. Buying us a coffee is the least you can do. Stop looking for opportunities to trip people up. It's not big, it's not clever and it doesn't help you or them. Work hard. Play hard. Find solutions, not problems. And always wear an extra pair of socks at Boundary Park. Are you zen, Andy? <laughs> Mate, I was going to get some symbols out, uh, get the joysticks on. Uh, 
and start meditating in, in the room. In fact, or eat some magic mushrooms. I'm not going to say it was inspired by Baz Luhrmann's uh, Always Wear Sunscreen. It was obviously a direct ripoff. And I think Arlene did something similar in a, in a blog uh, last season. But like, Obviously, I've got too much time on my hands. That's that's another issue. But um, like you know, I think w- how we look at these things and like we, we have hyper focused. We're obsessed with the past. We're clinging onto these memories of the pinch me era. The United it's gone. We're not a Premier League club anymore. Forget it. Right. We need to focus on where we are, what we're doing, and moving forward. We need to create more memories. And and it's, we're all responsible. We're all responsible for this football club. Everything we say, everything we do, everything we tweet, you know, we have to take responsibility for it. And I, you know, that was just obviously just a bit of fun, but it's, I think it's something that we need to think about as a fan base. I think that, you know, you can see the reactions to things on, on like, you know, like this is a big, it's a big job that's been taken on by the board, by the owner, by the new manager. And we've got to all pull in the same direction. We either make it more difficult or, we make it easier for everyone as a fan base that we can do that. And I think we're split. I think there is a split in the fan base. I speak to people when we do the fan zone. Some people are like, yeah, give it time. It'd be all right. And other people are like panicking. And Mark White said it in his interview the other day. There are, He said it's the same down there. And they've never been relegated. They're, what they've achieved at that football club is absolutely incredible. And yet still people are... You know, it's it's when it's a when it's a mob mentality, which is what football support is. It's a group thing. It's quite difficult to manage, but that's why I want people to sort of like just to consider their own thoughts, their own actions, what they say, what they do. Think critically. Don't just repeat what you've heard other people say. Like I don't know, Joe. I mean, you probably weren't expecting uh, that little sermon from the mount, but um, <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> Right, I've chilled out now. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with Unsworth at the moment, it's, it's quite a long way back for him, though, isn't it? Sort of, we've talked about the on-the-pitch stuff. Like, the off-the-pitch stuff's a bit bizarre as well, isn't it? With the article during the week, with the him sort of claiming that it was already pre-arranged that Ebel was going to do the sort of uh, press conference last week and all that sort of stuff. Um, so just stuff like that, along with the results, you can see why there's a bit of restlessness amongst the fan base. And it's, it could be portrayed as being negative or just saying how it is a little bit, maybe. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that... Um we're a bit too quick to, to jump on certain things. I think there's a lot of people in that, in our fan base who are so clever, who know everything, who, who, you know what I mean? Like who, well, this, you should be this. But when really they don't know, they've not had the experience. They, they, they don't know any better than anybody else. And, 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 and people are too quick to say, well, it should have been this. You should have been that. Well, like, it's not as, it's not as easy as all that. It's, it's easy to say, well, you should have done this. You should have done that. Or, you know, I I don't agree. You know, I thought the way that that whole press thing was handled last week was um, poor. I don't think it was prearranged um, because I was in there. They wouldn't have left us hanging on for half an hour if it was. Um, I, and I don't agree with coming out and sort of sticking to that story if it wasn't true. Um, I also think that uh, Mr. Unsworth has said in the uh, in the in his, the piece in the in the Times that. Um, he, he will let you want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Well, the best way, best place to come and talk about it, Dave, is on here because that's what we do. We talk about stuff. Um, so I'm going to extend an invitation for, for him to come on um, the podcast and have a chat with myself and Andy about a few things because I think we can do it in a very reasonable um, and thorough way and hopefully get to know him a bit better. I, I don't like it when there's a guard up, when, the, when there's a guard up from the club. Um, when they st- when they start sticking to a narrative which is e- too easy to pull apart, because I, I think that one is. I, th- I mean, how refreshing is it to hear from someone like Mark White just say it as it is? And and I think that you have to know your audience, you have to know your customers, you you you, you olden fans, and I speak with a, a knowledge of olden fans above fans of other clubs, but we don't like 
to be bullshitted. We like to hear it as it is. We call the spade. If it's shit, it's shit. We, and we're all right with that. We'd rather hear that than um, feel like we're having, you know, the wool pulled over our eyes or hearing somebody try and talk something up, like, you know, a, a good good performance against Barrow, you know, like Salim and all that. We, we, we hated that. And we don't want it from anyone. We love Shez because he said it as it was, and we could see how hurt and annoyed he was when we lost. Um, and, and so I think you've got to sort of, you, you've got to deliver things in, in an appropriate way for your audience. I also think as an audience, we need to react in appropriate ways as well. I think, you know, I just, I think that, I think we've all got, an, we've all got to be accountable. We've all got a role to play. And I think we, we I think that's a bit of consistent theme of this podcast since it started, that that, that, that is something to try and, to try and think about. I think being yeah, people and, and, and jumping on people's backs at the first opportunity i think if, if if we had to put up with that at work we wouldn't stand for it and i don't see why the you know you say it's football it's different to a degree yeah it's different but you've still got to give people some respect and you've still got to let people get on their jobs and 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 they've got to be free to do those jobs without being called a fat bastard or a shithouse every two minutes by people online and because i think that people that are doing that are just bang out of order and it just makes them look like an idiot well yeah they, i mean they are but you know it's kind of you set your standards high and if people want to do all that sort of stuff then you don't surely you don't acknowledge it you just sort of you it's easy for well. people who, easy for people who aren't in the public eye and aren't on the receiving end of that to say that isn't it because you well, don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to receive um, abuse from people. You don't know what it's like to, you know, maybe some people listening do, but I'm saying is on the whole, you say, oh, you should just write. But you don't, people don't know what it's like to be to, to be in that position. And it's maybe it's not as easy as all that to just brush it off. Maybe it would be better if you didn't have to deal with it in the first place. In a perfect If you're a supporter world. of a club, yeah, I know it's not a perfect world, but... It, we're all accountable. What I'm saying is be accountable for your own actions. Don't say a stupid thing. Don't make it personal. Um, don't say something online that you wouldn't be prepared to say it to his face. None of those, a vast, very, very small. I've done it myself where I've had people giving me shit over the last couple of years. I go up to them, I, I see them, say, go on, then say it to me face, and they won't do it. So it's the same. None, I'll tell you, you stand in front of David Unsworth, you won't say that to him because he's a big bastard and you would not say it to him in front of his face. So if you won't say it in front of his face, don't say it online. That's 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 what I'm saying. I, I think that that's no, no, I'm yeah, I, I completely agree. But you kind of, I don't want to say it, it's, it's part of the thing. You have to sort of, you know, do conduct yourself and just sort of, you know, there are idiots in the world. There's sort of there are idiots, and you can't get away from that. And just sort of, you know, telling everybody not to do it is sort of is never going to be enough because people will do it. So you can challenge it though, can't you? you can if more people challenged. You know, we we, we don't we, we don't have racist we don't have racist uh, chants on the terraces at football matches in mind because it's been challenged. We don't put up with certain things at football in football grounds because we challenge it now, and in society because we challenge it now. And th and, and 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 we're supposed to always be supporters of this this football club. So I will challenge behaviour that I think is um, inappropriate and, and detrimental to the to the greater good. That's well, that's that, that's that's the exact debate we're having the other week. Is um, is is some of the chanting on the terraces? I just think that the mindset amongst the supporters, because of the length of time that we've been in such a decrepit state, um, we, we've we've got to sort of come to terms with the, we're not there anymore. And yes, it's not so great on the pitch at the minute, but um, we all want we all want our club to be successful. And one way we can do that is just to maybe bite our lip a little bit at the moment and just hope that, and, and it is hope, I suppose, but I mean, it's hope based on observing good decisions being made, collective decisions being made at the club, that that it, it will come good. I'm sure it will come good over time. We've we just got to be a little bit patient with it. Um, and hopefully David Unsworth is the man. And if he's not, then then the, the board will have to recognise that and remove him. But I still come back to the thing that I'm, I can't say for certain that David Unsworth... Um, is a bad appointment yet because I just think he's learning on the job. Um, you know, he hasn't got experience of Division Five, and therefore he's getting his experiences now, and that'll set him up better next season. And we're better players, and he's a good coach, and everything will come good in the end. He, he has also got to learn from some of the mistakes he's making. You know, I, I, I'll repeat it again. I was calling out the the full rage over. He's not waving at us nonsense through the week. It, you know, if I tried to to be 
to be reasonable, more more reasonable about why that is the case. It's because, you know, maybe he says things in interviews like uh, John Eberle was doing the interview, it was prearranged and it doesn't look like it was prearranged. You know, the only set of circumstances where that is a truth is Eberle forgot <laughs> that it was prearranged and didn't turn up on time, you know, but I guess that's unlikely. Listen, at the end of the day, all of us will forgive and forget if he starts winning more games than he loses. <laughs> and that needs to start now. Uh, and while we're talking about winning more than we lose, should we uh, let Joe have a go at Latics, mind? Uh, yeah, let's, let, let's, let's just uh, talk. Let's just play this first. So now, Dave, fans can buy us a coffee. How do you like your coffee? Mm, like a nice cream, white, frothy laddie. Laddie. Mm. Mm. So if you want to buy Dave a... Laddie. Then uh, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash OFC podcast. I'll just take mine black. Mm. How do you like your coffee, Andy? Uh, I'll have a pint of Guinness. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Alcoholic, yeah. <laughs> you can buy Andy a Guinness. Buy us a Guinness. Buy us a coffee. Uh, anyway... Serious business of Lattice Mind, Joe. How are you feeling? Uh, let's see. Okay. Here we go. Who was sacked as Latics manager in August 2020? Keith Curl. Wrong. Dino Marmria. Who scored a hat trick away at Brentford in 2005? Chris Porter. Correct. Who did Roger Palmer break the all time Latics scoring record against? Everton. Wrong. Ipswich Town. Which winger made his one and only Latics appearance on the final day of 1988-89 at home to Swindon? Pass. Who replaced Darren Kelly as manager of Latics? David Dunn. Correct. Which two players arrived in the January transfer window of 1991? Graham Sharp. Mike Milligan. Wrong. Gunnar Haller and Paul Kane. Which player scored a late winner against Swansea on his debut in 2007? Craig Davis. Correct. What did Barry Owen say the protesters had committed when invading the pitch versus Salford last season? Uh, serious criminal offence. Correct. Who was the last Latic striker to score 20 goals in a season. Chris Porter. Wrong. It was Connor McElhaney. Who was controversially sacked as Latics manager in June 1982? Jimmy Frizzle. Correct. After Mike Milligan was sold for a second time in 1994, who replaced him as captain? Nick Henry. Correct. Which defender... I've started, so I'll finish. Which defender sustained a career-ending injury in the second game of the 1990-91 championship season? Andy Holden. Correct. That's good work. Matt, were you totting up then? Oh, uh, no, I wasn't actually. Because you, no. you did it the other week for me, so I'll add yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it sounded like a good score, though. So he's got one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Correct. Yay! Yay! Is that top? <laughs> that's joint well, top. We've had it, but it all comes down to passes. You've got it? one pass, so that that means you're tied. You're tied oh. with Paddy at the top. Oh. I think Paddy, Paddy was uh, was seven and one pass. I think we should check that. Can do that's that's amazing because that that puts it unless somebody comes in and uh and, and blows that out of the water, um, 
that puts uh, down, that head to head, Andy, that you you were so desperately wanting. Where's the yeah. scoreboard? Uh, oh, you've taken off. Uh, can you get the scoreboard up while I just go through the pass question? Because yeah, go for it. Yeah. So uh, your one pass question was which winger made his one and only Latics appearance on the final day of 1988-89 at home to Swindon? It was a, a chap called Andy Gale. Never would have got that. Happy with that. Didn't disgrace myself. Yeah, you, you're right, Andy. Uh, Paddy is uh, seven correct and one pass. Oh, it's a tie at the top. So it's Woo! a tie at the top. But like in, in the same in the same um, same way that in Highlander there can be only one, there can be only one lattice mind. So, uh, but you know, I mean, we've still got a, a while to go yet, and I know Binman fancies himself as a, as a contender. So, um, but yeah, that's really good. That's taken until since the first day of the season, the first uh, first lattice mind of the season. So, well done, Joe. Great effort. Excellent. All that useless stuff I've remembered about Latics over the years has finally come in useful. <laughs> I think it, I think that Joe's had a slight advantage though from bringing the um, wear more socks. Just chilled him out in the in the in the middle of the uh, in the middle of it. I think you know maybe put him in a headspace. But I mean, it was very very good. It was very impressive. Um, it would have been gutted, wouldn't you, if you'd have got what you know? Who was it who came very close? Um, Tom got six and one pass, yeah. uh, but you you did quite well. You moved through the questions quite quickly. That's the uh, that's the key. That yeah, the, the key, key is um, passing. Yeah, not overthinking the ones you don't know. Yeah, not that I want to give my competitors uh, any advice, but yeah. No, well, very well done, mate. Very good. Thank you very See, much. See, Andy, it was well worth getting on the um, on the pod today. Even just for just for Joe's performance on Latics Mind, yeah, you can you can you can justify it that way if you want. But as as I said to Joe before <laughs> we started recording, what, what what people don't understand is uh, I'm currently editing other episodes so we can create some more content um, for a, a different sort of series. So basically, he's got me working on a Sunday editing, and then he's making me turn up and record new stuff for me. I've got a game on. It's pure disgusting capitalism coming from this man. <laughs> Well, it would be capitalism if there was actually any kind of profit in it. And the minute it's, <laughs> it's really quite, you know, <laughs> you know, voluntary. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we've got we've got stuff in the pipeline. I'm working on that as well. Not the only one. God. Um, and oh, but listen, I'm a busy man. Spike Island play live, guaranteed indie bangers from Baggy to Britpop live, February third. The Dog in Chatter. Might as well start using this to plug me other stuff as well, and it, you know. So uh, get yourself down to the dog in on the third of Feb for some indie bangers. Yeah, uh, right, um, Joe. Well done, and thank you for joining us. And I'm very, 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 very pleased that Paddy is now not, not the uh, the sole leader at the top of the uh, the leaderboard. Um, yeah. He's going to be he's going to be spewing this comes out. Keep it secret. Don't no Twitter. No, keep it under wraps. No, or when the blues and nothing like that. It has to be. A, it's a surprise and a shock when it comes out on uh, on Monday. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and uh, belated congratulations for your award. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we will look forward to the potential Latix Mind showdown whenever that is. Presumably, we'll be booking the QE all or something like that, won't we? For it, I would imagine, uh, or, uh, or 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 the centre of the pitch at Boundary Park or something like that, something exciting. Anyway, Andy, thanks as always. Now you better stop messing around and get back to the other job that you're supposed to be doing, the other podcast editing for the uh, for the other one. All right. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, we'll see you on the phone in, hopefully after the York game. Uh, and if you've not seen the Mark White interview yet, go and watch it because it's really good. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. The Boundary Park Alert System is hosted and produced weekly by Matt Dean, Andy Halliwell and Dave Bradley. A huge thank you goes to those people who already subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate you all and if you'd like to help us out financially, please visit oafcpodcast.co.uk and click support or find the link in the show notes. It's only $2.99 a month to subscribe, but if you'd rather make a one-off donation, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash oafcpodcast.com 
or click the link on our website. Please follow and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at OAFC Podcast and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash at OAFC Podcast where you will find the Latix Football phone in with myself and Dave Bradley live every Wednesday from 8.30pm. We'd like to thank Arlene Finnegan for writing our excellent weekly blog which we encourage you to read on our website every Saturday morning and thanks also goes to Paul Prentagast for providing us with all the Latix Mind questions. The title music for the show is by Manchester DJ and producer Starion and for more information visit bandcamp.com forward slash red laser records. You can help change the game by listening to us on the Fan Hub app along with all major podcast platforms. Please like, subscribe and review the pod and help us climb the rankings to get more listeners wherever you listen. Thank you for listening and if you'd like to be a guest or contribute to the show in any way, we'd love to hear from you. See you next week. Thank you.